You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Oh, gravity. We have a long and storied relationship. Uh, I have fallen a lot in my lifetime. That's why I love that stuff. Uh, my favorite part is hearing on there and you guys, without fail, whenever someone says, oh, <laughs> like you know something's gone well if you're seeing somebody doing this because <laughs> it's just fun. So let's talk about faith and fear this year for 2019, okay? How many of you guys worry ever, have ever had just worry to the point where you're not even sure what to do? Um, stress. Right? These are things in the new year and the old year, it doesn't matter. These things don't go away. We deal with them. We see what's in front of us every day, and sometimes it's scary. And God, we know, has not given us a spirit of fear, it says in the Bible. But what does that mean, and how does that work? And so we're going to investigate in Numbers. We're going to go back to the book of Numbers uh, in the Old Testament today and look at a story that I think really, really. Uh, drives home how God intends us to have faith and how God intends us to deal with fear. And, and it's a great story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. You may have heard of the characters in this story. It's Caleb and Joshua and 10 other guys. They don't name the 10 other guys. You're going to find out why in the story. Caleb and Joshua are the, the point of this story. And they really give us an idea of what God intends for our lives. So I'm going to start the story in, in Numbers. Uh, here we go. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or is it poor? Are there trees in it or not? <laughs> this is my favorite part, and I'll tell you why in a second. Do your best to bring back some fruit, some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. Ripe grapes. Okay, so let me set the, the story for you. Um, Moses has led the people of Israel out of Egypt. Um, they've made a one-year stop at, at Mount Sinai to kind of get collected, to get the law for God to explain to them and to teach them what it was like to finally be free. They had been in slavery for hundreds of years. So God has promised them a new land, a land that he has made just for them, that was intended for his people to grow and prosper and be an example for all the nations of what God did when, when he came in and took over. And, and pretty much he's done exactly what he said he would do. He took them out. He's taught them who he was. He's given them the rules, the law of how God is going to govern his people. And he has taken them straight to this land. And I think that's important. Because when we hear the story of the Israelites going to the new land, we automatically, for most of us, think about the 40 years they wandered in the desert. And what I want you guys to know is they didn't wander in the desert before God. God did exactly what he said. He took them to the land that he had planned for them. Nothing in this story up to this point has been different than what God said it would be. Uh, he, has, he has rescued them from Pharaoh. Imagine, if you will, walking through a split ocean, a Red Sea. He splits it so they can cross. I, it's just an amazing thought. Like walking through something like that had to be life-changing. You've got an ocean on each side of you and you're walking through dry land to the other side. Okay. Every day he has led them uh, at nighttime with a column of fire and, and in the daytime with a column of smoke. Like he's, 
He's leading them through the desert this way. He's feeding them. He's providing water. They've seen miracles. They've seen the presence of God uh, take over a mountain where Moses goes up to visit and get the, the law. They've seen amazing things. And so they're finally at the land. And Moses, like any good leader, says, hey, go scout it out. Let's develop a plan. Let's see what God has for us. And let's figure it out. He's asking them things that make sense. Go see the land. Is it livable like we think it is? How, how are the trees? How are the things? How are we going to have to plan? Uh, what do they have there? Do they have fortified cities? Do they have walls? He's asking what makes to be a lot of sense. And they pick 12 guys to go do this. And I want to kind of draw the picture of these 12 guys. Okay, so it says, hey, every tribe, there's 12 tribes, pick one man to go spy out this land. This is the best of their best. It's probably their uh, number one warrior, their most intelligent guys. These are, these are the best of their tribes, the bravest, the strongest, the most complete person to go spy this out. And they've picked these 12 guys to go. Amongst them are a gentleman named Caleb and a gentleman named Joshua. Okay, Joshua is Moses' right-hand man. He's his number two in command. He leads the armies. Caleb is uh, also known as a very aggressive warrior, right? A little rash at times, but aggressive. And they go into the land, and they all see the same thing. What I want to drive home today and as we talk is this thought, that a spirit of faith will always overcome a spirit of fear. As we go into the new year and as we're thinking about what our lives look like moving forward today, tomorrow, the next month, the next year, that we remember that a spirit of faith drives out and moves a spirit of fear. Now, a lot of times when you make a statement like that, the reverse can also be true. But in this case, it's not. A spirit of fear will never drive out a spirit of faith. There is only room for faith. If you have faith, fear will be driven out. And we're going to see that. So they both, they all come back from scouting out the land, and my favorite part of this story is they find grapes. So I have a feeling that Moses is like, I miss grapes. I like, I really would like some grapes. If you see any grapes, please bring them back. I'm missing grapes. I like grapes too. If I was sending somebody out into a land and they were going to bring back something, grapes seems like a good thing for them to bring back. But they find these grapes, and they're so big they're so massive. Remember, you've got a relatively new earth here, right? And it's still producing like a new thing would. These grapes are so big that one bunch of grapes have to be carried by two men on a pole. So these grapes are about the size of basketballs in my head, right? And so they're coming back from this land to see if it's livable, and they're like, look at these grapes! I just find that, I don't know why they include that in the Bible, but I, it's one of my favorite stories because it makes... It just is, hey, Moses, here are your grapes, right? And they're huge. And this is what they say. We came to the land you showed us. It flows with milk and honey. And look at this fruit. This is the fruit. Look at these grapes. They're huge, right? This is the land we're going into. Everybody has the same report. The land is incredible. It's everything God promised us and beyond our expectations in that promise. They see the land. They know the land. But then the report changes. The report, you get two different reports at this point. Caleb and Joshua give this report. Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. 
Now, keep in mind, Joshua and Caleb are seeing everything these other ten guys go, are seeing. They're seeing the, the people. They're seeing the land. They're, they're all looking at it through a military eye. They're seeing things they've never seen before. Fortified city walls. Rivers, large rivers they're going to have to cross. Uh, warrior-like people. The other report goes like this. The other ten say this. We're not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we are. Not only do they give this report to Moses, they go back to their tribes and they tell everybody they know, we can't do this. Okay, now imagine you're one of these tribes, okay, and you're just a normal person in this tribe. And the special forces guy comes back and says, hey, I can't take them. Right, Navy SEAL comes up to you and says... We got, this, is, this is not a winnable battle. We don't have the resources to take down the walls. We don't even know how we're going to cross the terrain in places. The people are giants. They're warriors. <laughs> they sacrifice their own children. I mean, we're seeing things that are not only difficult, we're seeing horrific things. This is not a place we should go. This is nothing we should attempt. In these two pictures, you see a spirit of faith and you see a spirit of fear looking at the exact same thing. And what you have to keep in mind is Joshua and Caleb saw the giants, saw the cities, saw the terrain, knew who they were, knew their fighting forces, knew that their fighting forces and their equipment and everything they had was probably not enough on its own to take the land. But Joshua and Caleb's report is, we will go now and we will take this land. Because they knew that God had said it was theirs. And they had such a relationship with God that they believed him. They had seen what he, is, he had done, but more than that, they had spent time daily with God. Developing their relationship, developing their trust, developing their faith. And so when they saw something that they should have been afraid of and probably were a little bit afraid because they knew what they saw, what they weren't is doubters of God. They knew they couldn't do it by themselves either, but they also knew the God that split the sea, the God that had guided them there. And so they weren't afraid. Now here's a couple things I want to think through. A spirit of fear Guys, will always cost you. When you give into a spirit of fear, it always costs. There is never a time when you follow that spirit that it will not cost you something. And it costs these men. Okay? None of these men have seen my glory, it says in Numbers 14. And the signs I have showed them, none of them have seen this. None of them that went will enter this land. This is the beginning of a 40-year journey. Because not only do these 10 say we're not going, almost every other tribe of Israel, except for Joshua and Caleb, they're the only two in their whole nation that say we can do this. He says, you all will wander for 40 years. None of you will enter the land. And the 40 years is about the generation. That generation of people, the adults in that generation, will not see God's promise. It costs them everything God promised them. They will die in the desert. They will die wandering and they will die lost. And those 10 
that went into the land and started this, they die immediately. They are stricken with a plague and they die immediately. I think God figures, hey, if you're going to stir this kind of trouble and you're not going to follow me and you've made this decision to live in fear, then there's no point for you to be here because you're not working in my plan. You're going to distract people from me and I'm going to take you home. And those 10 die. It's crazy to me that it costs them their lives, but it, it, it in some ways makes sense in that situation. Let's look at the flip side of that, though. A spirit of faith always delivers. Okay, if you look at what happens to Caleb and Joshua, it says this, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and he's followed me fully, I'll bring him into the land. Joshua as well, it goes on to talk about bringing Joshua into the land. Those are the only two adults they're going to make it into the land that God promised. They're the only one that's going to see the promise that started back in Egypt fulfilled. And God is going to base the leadership of the new country on those men. It's an amazing thought that it's always going to deliver. Um, a couple of years back, some of you guys know, my son uh, had a horrible concussion. He's playing football, got really hurt. Um, he got hit. Uh, in a kind of a bad, dirty situation where a player took advantage and uh, slammed his head to the ground. And he was, uh, that was in September, and he didn't walk without a walker until uh, January. So for four months, we went through uh, doctors and CAT scans and wondering if, uh, and he would have good days and bad days. And in December, he regressed. We thought he was making progress. And in the December, he went back to the walker. He was having headaches. He couldn't go to school. Um, it was scary. It was, it was the first time in my life I can remember really being afraid. Uh, like I said, you get nervous when you're up higher. You have these little irrational fears. But it was the first time where I questioned what was going on in my life that I can remember. And I remember walking almost daily. I couldn't sleep. For, for months, I, I would be up till 1 or 2 in the morning just walking around my house just because I couldn't contemplate my son, losing my son. And that was on the table because we didn't know what was going on with his brain. Brain injuries and concussions, as you know, are crazy things. And I remember walking around my house and just pleading with God to fix this because I didn't know if my faith was strong enough. I didn't know if I was strong enough to deal with something like that. And, and throughout, I think I, I remember, and I and have lots of friends, lots of people. I would call Ted and talk to Ted. I had a buddy in Arizona that I would call and say, man, I don't know where I am. And, 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 and I'm leading and speaking and preaching, but I'm scared. But those walks every night with God, where I just got to admit to him every day, I don't know. I can't handle this. There's nothing I can do. There's, it's not that I'm weak or strong. I have no control. And so I'm just going to have to put you, this in your hands. And not only my son, but my faith. Because I'm not strong enough to have this faith on my own, that this will be fixed. I have to trust that you will do this. And that if anything goes wrong, that you will also walk beside me in what happens. And it's what got me through. It's, it, what, it's what let me be there for my son and my family through this. It wasn't me. I was scared to death. 
I think you're allowed to be scared. But in that moment where you're scared or stressed or worried or things seem overwhelming or too much, those are the moments where we step into God's arms and just say, you are the one that can do this when I have no power, no ability. And that's how Joshua and Caleb were. They could see the nation. They could see the giants. They knew they had no hope, and they were probably a little scared. That's a big dude right there, right? That is a big wall. What is this chariot thing they're driving around? Oh, my goodness. But God, it's beyond our power. There's no way we can do this, so we're just going to have to trust that you're going to do it for us. It's a life-changing event when you have those experiences and realize that God's bigger than anything. And when God says he's going to do something, he's going to. Plain and simple. Have you guys ever, just for a second, conquered one fear just to have another one hit you in a different way? Right? See, fear hits us in different ways. You know why? Any ideas as to why fear, you, you conquer one fear or you turn to God in one thing and then it just seems like another fear hits you from a different way or another stress or another worry? Do you know why? You have an active enemy. Satan is active in this world and he is against you. So if he can't get you one way, he's going to come at you a different way. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's full on force. But it's never going to stop. You are going to be in a fight for the rest of your life to serve God because there's an enemy and an adversary that doesn't want you to. And so he is constantly, the more you serve God, the more he's fighting you because the more dangerous you are to his plan. God has plans for you. They're amazing. Know that. God did not make an unamazing person. There's not one in this room. There's not one of you who God does not have an amazing plan for. And amazing plans are scary. Period. But here's the thing. God never intended you to carry out anything he has for you alone. So here's Joshua now. They're getting ready to enter the land for real now. The, the adult generation has died. Moses is on his deathbed, and God has appointed Joshua to lead the people into the land and to rule over the people and to take charge. This has got to be a little bit scary. You know how I, I think this is scary for Joshua on some levels? Because in the next chapter, seven times, God is going to tell Joshua, do not fear, do not be afraid. And if I'm telling you something seven times, it's because I believe you need to hear it. There's a reason for it. Now, Joshua has sat at the feet of Moses and, more importantly, at the feet of God. Whenever you read about Joshua, I love, I love seeing Joshua in the background of the story. So you might know that up until this time in the desert, Moses would meet with God daily. He would sit at the feet of God, and God would, and him would talk about how to lead the nation, I think about a lot of things. But Joshua was always there. When Moses went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, Joshua was there. It says that when Moses left the tent, in the presence of God, he would leave to go tell the people what God had said. It said, Joshua, son of Nun, would stay. He never, he never wanted to leave the presence of God. It's what carried him through the ordeal of the, of the spying and made him brave, but it's also what sets him up for leadership in this case. But for the first time, he's going to be the one that answers for the country, to God, for everything. 
Moses has always been where the buck stops up till now. Moses is now dying, and Joshua is now taking over. How many guys would be in a situation of, take, think about who Moses is. He's one of the most talked about individuals in the Bible. David refers to him constantly. The New Testament refers to Moses. Moses was a man that God picked to do something unreal and amazing. And Joshua had watched this man lead and watched the struggles, and now it's his turn. Would you be afraid? Would you be a little scared? Would you be a little worried that you're going to measure up to a man like that? I think I would. And I think Joshua is a little anxious about what's next. And, and, and it's, it's very simple. In Joshua 1.6, you've heard this verse before, I'm sure. Be strong and without fear. You shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Later on, it's going to say, don't move to the left or to the right. Stay centered on me. Follow all my commandments. Follow all my laws, and you will be just fine. See, here's what fear does. Fear says, here's the path you're on. The left's a little easier. The right doesn't have as many challenges. I know God wants you on this, but if you go left for a little bit, it'll get you back there a little easier. You'll get to skip some things. Understand this, obstacles in life are not there to deter you, they're there to grow you. If you've ever run an obstacle course, if you've ever trained, the obstacles aren't there to stop you, they're there to make you stronger, they're there to make you able to achieve the things that are ahead of you. When we used to train in sports, they would give us all kinds of things to just make us work harder than, than we thought we could. So that when we got on the playing field or we got in a situation where we had to perform, there was no obstacle we hadn't seen. Understand that, that taking over the land that God had planned for these people was not going to be easy. People were going to die. There was going to be a war. There was going to be battles. God was going to be in it, but there was going to be sacrifice. Following God is not easy. It's a fight. But you have the, the, the winning formula on your side. You have God. And with God on your side, what can stop you? So remember this. Fear pushes us to the right or left. It tries to get us away from where we're going. But it never, it's never going to take you to the destination God has for you. Fear moves to the right, to the left. Never going to take you where you want to go. And here's, this, here's the thing that just amazes me. Remember when I started, I said, think about all these people. They had seen the Red Sea split. They had seen manna, food, fall from heaven. They had seen water come out of rocks, right? Moses walks up to a rock. He speaks to it. He does different things, and water just comes out of nowhere. They're being led by fire and smoke. They've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. And I can't tell you how many times in this day and age when I'm working with youth, they said, if I could just see a couple miracles, I could believe in God. These people saw it daily, and they were still afraid. Here's what you got to remember. Faith isn't by sight. We're told that in the New Testament. Faith is not born by sight. It's, it's belief in the unseen. It's belief in a God that rules. It's a belief in God that doesn't always show you what you need to see, but always delivers when he needs to. You can see all the miracles in the world, and without faith, they're meaningless. You can see the Red Sea split, and it will do nothing for your courage with no faith in God. It's crazy. This is what Timothy tells us, or Paul tells Timothy. But you man of God, 
flee from all of this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Faith and fear are choices. You do not have to be afraid. If you choose faith, if you choose to pursue God, if you choose to pursue the things of God, faith will drive out all fear. Man, I had a lesson that I am still trying to learn sometimes. I am afraid. I get stressed. I get worried. I, and then I remember I serve a God who has this all under control. And when I really work on that and, and work into that spirit to, to develop that, to grow that, fear just goes away. I know you guys are sitting in here with things in your life that you're afraid of. It's It's inevitable. And what I'm saying is, don't worry about those things. Focus on your faith. Those things will need to be dealt with. They will be fights that you probably have to have. But with God leading you and your faith developing you, you'll know exactly what to do, exactly when to do it, and you'll know exactly when to let God do it. And those are amazing gifts, right? Just simply amazing gifts. I'm going to close here in a second, but I want to I give you guys a couple things to think about, because it's great to know that faith drives out fear, right? Isn't that a reassuring thing? But when I'm sitting where you're sitting, one of the things I always ask, but how do I do that? How do I, how do I have a faith that drives out fear? Where does that come from? It's not going to be magical. It's not going to be just like, hey, Sam, you now have it. Go and fear no more, all right? It doesn't work that way. If you're learning how to do something and how to follow God, it's, it's a training. In, in Romans, we're told to transform your mind so that you can follow God fully and holy. Okay? Uh, Ida, just a little bit ago, talked about life teams, right? Notice that Joshua and Caleb didn't, weren't alone. They had each other. So when Joshua and Caleb went, they didn't have to stand by themselves. They at least were two of them right? There's a story in the Bible about Jonathan and his armor bearer fighting a battle by themselves, right? But they're back to back and they're fighting together. Jonathan's armor bearer had his back. There were 12 disciples. No one does this alone. And so if you, one of the things I'm going to recommend is that if you want your faith to grow, be in a community where faith grows. Be in a life team. Be around people, at least one or two people that you meet with on a regular basis that are challenging you to follow God. I would have not gotten through the episode with my son if I had not had men of God around me encouraging me to turn to God, to cling to my faith. By myself, I would have failed that trial miserably because I was afraid, but I had people that said, don't be afraid. You know a God that's stronger than that. I'm gonna ask you to get involved. See, think about those 10, right? Remember, they were the champions of their tribe. You think they were busy with life? I mean, they had to gather manna every day. They had to manage flocks and people and organize tents going up and coming down. Every day in that travel was busy. Busy with life or death stuff. When you're traveling across a desert, it's not just going to work, it's surviving. They were incredibly busy. And I think what happened to these 10 is they knew of the God that had done all these things, but they had no time in their lives to spend with him. Joshua never left the tent, right? 
See the difference in these people? You don't hear about these people spending time with God. You hear about Joshua spending time with God. And Caleb by default, because wherever Joshua was in the stories, Caleb was right there. Where is your time with God? Are you getting too busy? It's understandable. It happens. But when you get too busy and your faith disappears, then you're going to have fear. Faith not only drives out fear, lack of faith creates a vacuum where fear resides. And so I'm going to encourage you to to carve out time in your day, in your week, to know God, to just sit and study and know God and sit in the presence of God. We don't know what Joshua did in that tent after Moses left, but we knew he didn't ever want to leave the presence of God. And that grows faith. And the last thing I'm going to I'm going to ask you to think about doing is start using your faith. What do you do that serves God? If you're not using your faith, it's like anything. If you don't use it, you lose it. I took calculus in college. I have not used it since, and if somebody asked me to do calculus, I have no idea what I'd be doing. Right? No clue, because I don't use it. I'd have to go back and relearn the whole thing. Your faith is no different. If you don't use it, it will, it will fade. God never intended to give you a faith that was just for you. Your faith drives the faith and provides the faith for other people. Just like when I was in my time of need, other people provided it for me. So this is my question for you. Where's your fight today? Is it a fight for faith? Are you fighting fear in your life? Where's it at? It's okay. And here's the thing. God never intended for you to be ashamed of where you were at. If you're looking at your life right now and saying, yeah, I can see where my faith is lacking, God still loves you. God's not going to say, oh, your faith is horrible. You don't get to to do anything with it. No, he he wants you, he's faithful to be right there. And so I'm going to close praying for you guys, that you're thinking about where your faith is. You're thinking about how to develop it further. You're thinking not only for yourself, but for the other people in the church. How are you going to help other people develop their faith? I mean, there's so many opportunities, and it's such a wonderful place, this church. You have so many opportunities to serve God. You have a pastor whose heart is to serve the community and to see the gospel spread not just here, but to everyone around us. This spot was picked because it's in the middle of a community where people need to know Christ and know God and live daily in fear because they don't. You have the best message in the world. And we need to take it to the world. And so that's my encouragement for you. Grow your faith. It'll drive out fear. And as it drives out fear, you will see clearly what God has for you and where you're going and what his intentions are. And it's a, it's a great way to live. Let me pray for you guys. God, I come to you right now and I just thank you for being who you are. Um, a faithful God, an all-powerful God who has control and has a plan. That your plans stretch from eternity to eternity. <clears throat> and that somehow I'm a, I'm a part of them is, is amazing. And God, that I'm able to grow my faith and, and know you more and more and understand what you have for me more and more and that I don't have to have a spirit of fear is something that just daily amazes me. I pray for this congregation, God, these people that are sitting here that love you, that they are growing in you daily. And as, as they grow in you daily, it is driving out any aspect of fear that is keeping them from the purpose you have for them. God, for those sitting in this room that don't know you, I pray right now, that you put on their heart to know you. That right now they know they can just say, God, I want to believe in you. I want to give you my heart. And that is all it takes to know you 
and to know a faith that drives out all fear. God, be with us in these weeks and months and years to follow, not only that, that our lives are something, but that our lives following you do amazing things. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.